Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown, Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field and bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. What is going on, Raider Nation? It is a Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening, whenever you're listening to us here on Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast hosted by myself, Scott Branson, and my partner, Mo Moten. Hey, Mo, it's, it's, we get to do a show after a win for the first time in 2022. A good weekend for the Raiders. Not everything's perfect, but that's okay. You take the wins in the NFL when you can get them. Are uh, any wins actually perfect? I haven't seen a, a team get a perfect win where they go to the locker room and say, okay, no corrections, guys. We don't have anything <laughs> to clean up. We don't have anything to fix. Everyone go home and come back next Sunday. I, don't, I haven't seen a type of win like that, so I'll take the Raiders win as it is. Absolutely. And uh, this one, you know, listen, I, I'll tell you, a lot of Raider fans had kind of thrown in the towel. 0-3. Not saying it's still not going to be difficult for this team to get where they wanted to go. But we saw some really encouraging things, Mo. When I watched the game again this morning and this afternoon and keyed in on some things, I want to touch first on something that you talked about, we talked about last week, was balance on offense, number one. But number two was running the damn ball. And Josh Jacobs, 28 carries, 
Last week, Mo, I went back and, and checked. You said, hey, he needs to have between 25 and 30 carries is where he should be, and guess where he was? And that netted 144 yards and two scores. Um, is there any question what the kind of theme of this was and the kind of motor that needs to get that high-flying offense going? Well, it's good to hear Josh McDaniel say that they went out wanting to establish a run. Uh, doesn't necessarily show he was listening to the fans or us yapping on the microphones, <laughs> but it shows that he understood that he was underutilizing the run game. And he can say, well, we were behind by two scores all he wants to, and some fans are taking that and running with it. But the fact of the matter is you don't start off the game 14-0. You don't start off the game down two possessions. You can establish a run early, and when you fall down late, you throw the ball, and you can go back to running once it gets close again. So I just wanted to say that to a lot of fans that said, well, they were down by multiple scores. You don't start off the game with a deficit. But back to Sunday, it's it's good to see Josh Jacobs run for a career-high 144 yards along with two touchdowns. We'll get into this later. I'll talk about this later, but it was also good to see Derek Carr use his legs a little bit more. Uh, wasn't my idea of running the ball more because you want your quarterback to throw, but when he has to, he was able to use his legs, and that was good to see. And, of course, Zamir White finishing the game off with that big run for a first down to uh, set up the game-winning touchdown. Not game-winning touchdown, but to – Basically, get the go-ahead touchdown to set up the win for the Raiders. How dare you say positive things about Derek Carr, sir? No, it, absolutely. It was one. Of, it was one of the storylines, no question. And we're going to talk about Derek Carr a little later too. But but I that 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 performance by Josh Jacobs is exactly what you needed. He's in a contract year for the Raiders or for whomever he goes to play for next, if that's what happens. So it's good to see him give the opportunity. He's got the motivation. He looks good. Not only that, but he ran, Mo, behind an offensive line, another starting mix of offensive line again. But the offensive line did pretty dang good. You look at what they did in the run game, in the pass game, the same thing. Derek Carr had time. Yes, the pocket doesn't stay perfect every single down. I know some Raider fans out there think it should. It's not going to. But overall, too, I was buoyed by the fact that this offensive line, maybe, just maybe, Mo, these are the five guys finally. And these are the five guys I'm still a little worried because I'm not sold on. <laughs> I'm really, I've been on this show and I've been saying for the longest. I know Al, uh, Josh McDaniels has talked up Alex Bars. I watched the game multiple times now. I'm still not buying it. Alex Bars is not, if anything, he's the, he's the short-term placeholder. He's just not the guy at left guard. I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders have another left guard before the season ends. But other than that, I thought the other guys played pretty well. Uh, Parham, I felt like, even in the offseason, before the season started, I said Parham's best pathway to a starting position to playing at his best would be playing at guard. Now, I know he had to shift over to center because Andre James had a concussion, but I think playing at guard is it best suits him right now as a rookie. And then Mumford coming in for Illuminar in the second half, to me, showed that what I said on a previous show a couple of weeks ago, that the Rays want Mumford to be that guy at right tackle. They go to him down the stretch in a close game, which says a lot. Yeah, it sure does. And, and you know, they, 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 they're still looking for that mix. And I'm not saying that these are guys in the long term that you want in front there, but they actually did a good job throughout this game, especially against that Denver defense. Now, Denver defense got banged up a little bit as well, but still they, they really stuck in there and did a good job. Looking also on the offense, one of the keys to the game, something we had talked about last week, the whole controversy last week about Derek Carr was him not finding Devontae Adams. Well, Devontae Adams is targeted 13 times. 
has nine receptions over 100 yards. No touchdown, but that's okay. He was open. They got them the ball. He actually threw the ball into traffic to Devontae Adams, which is a good sign, too. Some contested balls, which is what you want to see. Uh, and then, of course, you saw Mac Hollins again. Only three catches, but he had some presence there. And, of course, the special teams play on the kickoff was beautiful. But the one guy missing from there, Darren Waller, uh, was the big weapon. Of course, Hunter Renfro out with a concussion, so we're not counting him since he was not available but Darren Waller seemed to be the only guy that wasn't dialed in too much uh, with Derek Carr. He had one drop, a couple other small catches. Uh, but overall, the weapons they need to come alive on offense, led by Josh Jacobs, really did, Mo. And it shows you they scored 32 points, right? We talked about it last week. This offense is the kind of offense that you would expect to score 30 points most weeks. And they did it this week. Yeah, when you have balance, it's a lot easier to score 30-plus points like yes. you should, playing up to your potential. Uh, I've said this on previous shows. I've said this on other shows. I honestly think Josh McDaniels looked at his personnel and fell in love with the passing game and said, look, I got Derek Carr, a quarterback that I wanted when I was in New England. I got Devontae Adams. I got Hunter Renfro, went healthy. I got Darren Waller. Why not just pass the ball? That's our strength. <laughs> and, and when you saw the Raiders run the ball on Sunday – how it could look and how the two can mesh complementary football to use that term. And our friend Evan Grudge is part of baby also likes to use that term. Complementary yep. football works better than just going to your strength and trying to be the defense based on in one way. So you, you saw the balance again, a lot of writers, a lot of analysts pointing that out. I'll get into some of the, the smaller wrinkles that I like from the game, but it's good to see balance. And I hope they continue that moving forward because just looking at just a sneak peek ahead, when you play the chiefs, you want Patrick Mahomes on the sideline, and you, the way you can do that is running the football and, and and winning time of possession. Absolutely. The other thing, Mo, was the defense. Uh, the defense, I thought, showed out. Yes, they're still bottom 12 in the league, but we're seeing some life. We're seeing some progression. And I was really – it was cool for us to see Amik Robertson come up with a big play in the game after he appeared on our show last week, and he talked so much about things finally clicking for him – but you saw him have a good day again, not only on that, just on that play, but if you look at the breakdowns of his coverages and how physical he was with Denver's receivers, really, really good stuff. Then you had Max Crosby, who was the only pass rush for the Raiders on the day. Overall, this defense, I had a, a conversation with one of our listeners on Twitter the other day, and he said, well, I don't know how you guys say they did so well. He's talking about the postgame show I did with Murph and Evan. And I told him, look, it's not overall, no, they're not all the way there, but they did enough in spots, inc including takeaways, to make a difference in the game. And I think that's what people have to focus on. You don't focus on having a top five defense yet, but you can focus on individual players like Amik, like Nate um, uh, Hobbs, who had another big day in a sack. Uh, overall, the direction of this defense, they got a long way to go, Mo, but it was encouraging to see some of those signs in this game against Denver few things here number one who's that complaining? i think that's rock raider 585 complaining on twitter <laughs> that's it tell rock tell rock raider 585 to calm it down it's coming along well <laughs> um I, yeah he's right though defense isn't perfect isn't where you want it to be it's not a top 10 or top 15 defense but it's good to see they're able to make plays we're not going to take credit for amik robinson having a big day but it was good as you said it was good that after he was on our show, after he put on the show, goes out there and gets the fumble recovery for a touchdown. I was so happy to see that for him. Another thing about the Raiders' defense that I think people aren't seeing, it's not a terrible defense. 
it's a defense that's half decent. And I wrote about this in my yes. last Sports Not article. It's a half bad, half decent defense where the defense plays good for a half and then doesn't play good for the other half. So just a couple of notes I, I wrote down. The Raiders have allowed one touchdown in the second half of the last two games. That's against the Titans and the Broncos. One touchdown. In, the, in three games against the Chargers, Titans, and Broncos, they've allowed just two touchdowns. Now, of course, they collapsed in the second half of the Cardinals game, but in the first half of that game, didn't allow any points. No. So what, what you're seeing here is a defense that's heckling, uh, Jekyll and Hyde, basically, where they play a good half and then have a bad half. And then what you have with that is a mediocre defense, which is what they are right now. They have to depend on takeaways, which they got one with Amik Robinson on Sunday. But when you don't have a consistent defense, then you have to get the turnovers, you have to get the sacks, you have to get the interceptions to make up for that. And they don't have all of that right now, so they're still allowing a lot of points. But as you said, in crucial spots, they're still making plays. Right. And I think, again, I mentioned the great day that uh, Max Crosby had, but Chandler Jones, again, was MIA. The middle of that defense still is not getting enough pressure and enough push up the middle, as we saw, especially in that first half. I mean, that first two series for Russell Wilson, he was able to deal the ball. The defense didn't seem ready. They seemed out of whack and um, um, disorganized. Then they got it together, to your point about playing one half of great football. Um, but you look at that, Bilal Nichols, again, disappointing. Uh, the one guy that I thought made such a huge difference before he went out again with an injury and, and probably will be doubtful for the Chiefs game on Monday night was Denzel Perryman. I mean, I just got the sense, Mo, with him back there came some swagger. With him back there came some veteran leadership that they've lacked is having that quarterback of the defense with Denzel Perryman, as we talked about last week. Having him there made a huge difference. Guys just seem to be more on the ball, flying towards the ball, and physical. Did you get that same sense? Well, yeah, of course, because when you have a veteran middle linebacker, your defense should be aligned a lot better because Perryman has the years in the league. When Perryman's not in the game, you saw the Divine Diablo making the calls. He's a second-year player. So it's, you know, how... <laughs> When you go from a veteran to an inexperienced player at the position, you're going to have a drop-off as far as where guys should be, you know, coverage adjustments and things of that of that nature. But what I will say is that when you have the quarterback of your defense on the sideline with a concussion, then you can expect some breakdowns. And we did see that even with Lameek Robinson. He had a couple of moments where he, he slipped in coverage. But as Josh McDaniel said on Monday, Mick Robinson is the type that even if he makes a mistake, he's going to come back at you. He's going to continue to play hard. And you have to have a short memory as a cornerback, as Josh McDaniel said. The one thing I do also want to point out, not really a pushback, but just something I saw from the game with the defense, two things actually. With Chandler Jones, number one, I, I didn't think he had a terrible game. Um, is it exactly what you want to see from a guy you paid seven, you know, three years, 51 million, 17 million per year for? No, but those two holding penalties that he drew on Garrett Bowles, those probably would have been sacks if Garrett Bowles didn't hold him. So yeah, you kind of have point. to get, you, you have to give him credit for that. So I think this was actually his best game of the season. Again, didn't have the sacks in the box score, but when you hold a player from getting a sack, you're basically preventing a sack. So I give him credit for that. The other thing I saw was, 
when Max Crosby got his sack on one particular play, there was a stunt with him and Clee Farrell. Now, a lot of people have forgotten about Clee Farrell because he was out for an extended period during the offseason. But I think Clee Farrell is starting to come along. Not a lot of yeah. people are talking about this, but he may not be the guy to get you 10 sacks. But if he can aid a Max Crosby or help you get some push inside and be a useful player, I, I think it's a good look for him. It's not a $10 million look for him, but it's good to see that he's useful in that defense because the Raiders need it up front, especially on the interior. Right, and he's contributing. I watched that as well. I saw him do really well, and next to Crosby especially, and he occupied bodies, and he got people to pay attention to him, and he made some moves that mm-hmm. freed up Crosby. It was it was a big deal. Uh, and just like no one was talking about Amik Robertson last week, nobody's been talking about Clee Farrell, so we will now. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I think I think he's got the opportunity, and maybe with the success and the confidence, maybe he does pick up his game even more and becomes more of a force in the middle because they need him. I mean, they, they need somebody in the middle to be a difference maker. He's starting to do it, and you make great points about Chandler Jones as much as I make fun of that and the milk carton and all that <laughs> stuff. You're right. He, he, he played his best game, so maybe, just maybe, he's waiting for the Chiefs game to come out and, and have a sack and go nuts uh, on national TV on Monday Night Football. Who knows, but we'll see, because the Raiders are going to need it. They're going to be um, facing the Kansas City Chiefs, who ranks second in the NFL in points scored. Um, the Raiders are second in giving up uh, in the NFL and giving up points at 100. So the Raiders have to uh, shore th- some things up if they're going to compete with Kansas City. We'll talk about that, of course, later on, including in-depth on Thursday. We're going to step aside for our first break as Mo and I take a breather. When we come back here on Silver and Black today, we're going to talk about the coaching. What was the difference? Did Josh McDaniels finally just realize, hey, keep it simple, stupid. You're the smartest guy in the room, but you don't have to show it. We'll talk about that next here on Silver and Black today. Don't go anywhere. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. We talk all things Las Vegas Raiders football. If this is the first time you listened, thank you. And welcome to Raider Nation. Make sure you do us a favor, though. Make sure you go to download the podcast wherever you get your podcast. You can do that as well. Make sure we can uh, be heard on the Odyssey app. We can be heard on Apple. You name it. Wherever you get it, you can find Silver and Black today. So do us a favor. Go sign up. Get the auto downloads. That way, every time there's a new show, boom, it's right there on your device, and you don't have to worry about it. Silver and Black today, anywhere you get your podcast. Mo Moten, Scott Branson. He is the national NFL writer for Bleacher Report, also a Raiders columnist for sportsnot.com of course sportsnot.com where you can read all things las vegas raiders including my stocks up and stocks down column which you can catch 
tomorrow on Wednesday up on Sports Not as well. Follow Mo on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at L-V Gully. Okay, Mo, we spent a lot of time over the last week criticizing, and I thought with, with, with good reason, Josh McDaniels, the coaching staff of the Raiders, where they were. And you established, I thought, a great uh, uh, kind of beachhead on that battle when you said, hey, sometimes when you're the smartest guy in the room, you outsmart yourself. We thought that weeks one through three with the trick plays and some of the other things we saw them doing in the heavy pass rotation, that Josh McDaniels might be a little too smart for his own good. He comes out against the Broncos, for the most part, sands the onside kick, which we'll talk about later, um, <laughs> keeps it a little bit simple and maybe just kind of listen to reason around, hey, you know, I got this great running back room. I have a great passing game. Let's do, use them in unison. 72 total plays in the game, Mo. 38 rush, 34 pass, uh, less tricks, uh, more treats, running the ball, a little more Gruden-esque, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. and, and the Raiders worked. They had used two tight end sets more. It was just a little closer to what I expected the year to start out with. Right. And we, I think we all expected a little more balance and we didn't get it. And you saw the results, but I think Josh McDaniels, I don't want to say simplified the game plan, but I think he understood that, look, we're going up against tough pass defense. We're going up against a tough pass rush period. Why not neutralize it by running the football with Josh Jacobs and using that aggression against the Denver Broncos? And I think it worked to their favor. This all goes to game planning and knowing what your opponent's weaknesses and strengths are. So coming out when he said, oh, we wanted to establish the run, I said, okay, then he understands what the Broncos' weakness is, and he went after it early. And as we've talked about in the first segment, Josh Jacobs has a career day, and you're and you're seeing positive results. So kudos to Josh McDaniels and that coaching staff for having the scouting report and looking at the strengths and weaknesses, and then going after those weaknesses right out of the gate. Well, and they they attacked. There was a lot of talk uh, over the course of the week about that Broncos defense. Right, it's a stout defense. It does pretty well. Mm-hmm. And they went right at it. They did not show any fear of any part of that defense. And I thought that made an early statement. You know, there's there's the 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 play calling, which makes a statement. And then there's that that idea of, of the mental side of the game. And I thought that the Raiders came out and they said, OK, Broncos, you're, you're two and one. It's you know, it's a fluffy two and one, but you're two and one. And we're oh and three. But it doesn't matter because we're going to come out. We're we got our knives. We got our pipes. We got our brass knuckles. We're ready for a street fight. And I thought that played really well because to me it seemed like even though Denver got off to the fast offensive start, uh, it seemed to me like Denver was not expecting the Raiders to kind of hit them that hard. Right, and I had a back and forth with someone on Twitter before the Raiders-Broncos game, and he said, you know, oh, Mo, you're you're fuffing it up saying the Raiders aren't terrible and they're, they're inefficient. It's a terrible football <laughs> team, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay. The 0-3 Raiders and the 2-1 Bears, who would you pick to win the game with a million dollars on the line? And I guarantee you most people would say the 0-3 Raiders. I know the record is what it is and says who you are as a team win-loss-wise, but mm-hmm. let's not get it twisted. All three, all 0-3s and 2-1s aren't, you know, it's not black and white. You know, it depends on who you play. So by saying this, what I'm saying is that when you look at the Broncos – defense and you said they were a fluffy two and one look at who they beat the houston texans 
and I believe who who did they who did they um oh the four the forty ers by one 49ers. point yes and and that was Jimmy Garoppolo's first uh full start I know he played against the Seahawks but his first start so not exactly two offensive heavy you know offensive led teams uh the Texans still haven't won a game yet. We'll see uh, the, the 49ers with Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo is very limited. We all know the 49ers are a defensive team pretty much. If they didn't have a top defense, that, that team isn't making the Super Bowl that year against the Chiefs. But anyway, my point is that the Raiders tested the Broncos' de- defense more than any other team that they played. Uh, as we said, the, the Raiders had the top 10 scoring defense coming into that game. I know Patrick Sertain, is, too, is pretty good. I understand mm-hmm. Randy Gregory before he got hurt, pretty good football player. Brett, Bradley Chubb, they had those guys, but the Raiders were able to test that run defense, which allowed 4.4 yards per carry, which ranked 16th in the league. A lot of people like to look at the surface stats. Oh, they're top five in this, they're top three in that. But and when you when you dig into the numbers and you dig a little deeper and you see that they allow 4.4 yards per carry and that Josh Jacobs was averaging 4.6 yards per carry going into that game. You understand why now Josh Jacobs now averages 4.8 yards and had a big day against the Broncos because they had a weak spot. When you have a team that's a good pass rushing team, the one thing you want to do is run the ball because, again, it neutralizes the pass rush. Absolutely. No question. And that was something that, uh, from a game planning perspective, you know, I, I still saw a lot of people talk about how bad the coaching was in this game. And I thought, well, nobody's perfect. And was there some questionable call? I mean, again, the onside kick. I don't understand the onside kick. I still don't. He explained it in the press conference. We wanted to surprise him. I think it's another example of trying to outsmart the room. But, hey, it, it didn't didn't kill him. It might have hurt him. But it, it was one of those things where I think people are, were angry about it at the time and still are. I have a theory about the onside kick. To okay. me, the onside kick says to me that the Raiders did not respect the Broncos' offense. So, uh, basically, if the Broncos recover which they did the Raiders weren't expecting the Broncos to, to score quickly on them because look at what the Broncos offense has been before that Raider game mm, that Broncos offense point. has struggled now they're not going to do that against the Chiefs <laughs> don't expect an onside kick against the Chiefs I hope who not could, who could score on flurries that's not going to happen but when you play a team with a bad offense you're going to try stuff like that because you're not afraid of their offense burning you on a quick 10 second drive for a score so while I didn't like it I understood why they did it. Josh McDaniels is not going to get on the mic and disrespect the Broncos and say, yeah, well, their offense sucks. So we, <laughs> we, we just tried an onside kick there. He's not going to say that. But you know from what the Broncos, how they performed, that the Raiders basically didn't respect the Broncos' offensive attack. No question. And I thought, too, Mo, one of the things I want to touch on here was we saw, and remember when Murph was on the postgame show after the Tennessee game live from Nissan Stadium – he said that one of the things that bothered the fans that were sitting right there behind the team was sort of this lack of fire, this lack of urgency, that there was no, there was no, nothing the players were doing that seemed to be excitement generated, right? Now, you come out in this game, you see, I think, increased urgency. You see increased fire in both the head coach and the players. You even saw Derek Carr, John, and some guys when they apparently didn't do what they were supposed to. So you look at that, and then you look at the focus. Yes, four penalties, only 25 yards, though, okay, which they kept the yardage down, and four penalties in Raider Nation is huge, uh, is, is very low. Uh, no turnovers, except for the one Darren Waller drop. Not a lot of miscues either. This team just seemed to finally be more like they were in the preseason, which was focused, 
disciplined, uh, and that certainly played a part as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I know there were some mistakes along the way. Uh, they let up some points here and there, some blown coverages, but I think this is their most complete game that they've played. And of course, obviously they won it, but I would say from start to finish, they were pretty dialed in on what the game plan was. They made adjustments and were able, again, to hold the, the Denver Broncos to just seven points in the second half of the game, which was on, I believe, a Russell Wilson rush for a touchdown late. So I think they did overall did a pretty good job play clean football uh jermaine illuminar got on twitter after the game and he basically apologized for that false start that he had that set the raiders back on a drive which has been the the shot that's been in the raiders foot for the last few weeks is just the, the untimely penalties uh that one was very early in the game and again luminar was replaced in the second half by mumford but again overall i think they played a pretty clean game you just want to see that again against the chiefs next monday yeah, have to. If they if they don't, they will be run quickly out of the building because the Chiefs are scoring points in bunches and they can score fast, uh, even without Tyreek Hill, as we saw against uh, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Uh, Mo, the, before we go to the break on the second segment, the defense, I talked about early, the defense seemed to not be ready for snaps. And Russell Wilson, to his credit, was very quick to the line, snapped the ball and got off a couple big plays because of it. Uh, Patrick Graham's defense, we talked how it's getting better. We're seeing progress. And that's the one thing I keep telling Raider fans. Look for progress. You're not going to go from 0-3 to a Super Bowl team in a week. Okay? It's not going to happen. But And everything's not perfect. But you have to look for progression. What do you think was causing that? Do you think there's still that communications issue that we saw in previous weeks? Because the defense, even missing some guys... I thought did better, but they they just they have not been able to do the four quarter thing. And this this goes back to I guess this goes back to the last game and a half when you have a veteran middle linebacker who's out there who's on it, and I'm not you know this is not a shot at Divine Diablo, but when you have a guy who's been in the league for several years and has seen it all and knows how to make the switches and coverage changes and alignment switches, your defense is going to run a lot smoother than with a younger player who who's less who's just less experienced. That is what it is. Um, one thing I would suggest, maybe Jayon Brown get the radio because he is mm. more, he's, is a more experienced linebacker than D divine Diablo is. Maybe you give the radio to Daron Harmon, who's been a playmaker. Daron mm -hmm. Harmon's a guy I talked up in the offseason. by the way, he's been the playmaker on the backside of that defense and he's got the experience. And I think, Along with a, a middle linebacker, a safety can also be the quarterback of your defense because they can see the entire field. They're they're back there, so they can see what's going on and make the adjustments. And if you have a heady, smart, a high IQ safety like Deron Harmon, he can make those calls back there. So I think maybe you, you experiment with who's making the calls and getting guys in and out of the lineup. Great point. And and I, you know overall, I just think Josh McDaniels showed growth he showed progress i still think there's some work to be done there but this is what you wanted to see right Every, all the people who wanted him fired after week three which was ridiculous but oh, but but need, needless to say you if he would have come out and done the same thing he did in week three we'd be in a different place but instead i'm sure he listened to his coaches and maybe mark davis's post-game talk last week also had a little bit to do with that just hey guys, here's the expectation. You're not meeting the expectation. You need to go back to the drawing board and look at what you're not doing. And it appears that's what they've done. Now we'll have to see what they do against Kansas City because this is going to be a coaching challenge. It's not only a physical talent issue on the field between these two teams, but it's also going to be a coaching challenge. You're going up against one of the best in Andy Reid, 
and Josh McDaniels is going to have to really pull something out of that bag for the Raiders to go in to Kansas City and upset the Chiefs. But that will come in a conversation on Thursday. We're going to take a break here. When we come back on Silver and Black today, we're going to talk about some of the lingering issues. We tried to stay mostly positive on the great things we saw, but what is still going on that needs to be addressed with this team as they head into Kansas City and to Arrowhead, which has been a house of horrors for them for the most part, 2-10 and over their last 12 in Kansas City, Missouri. So we'll have to check that out. And we will discuss that when we come back. You're with Mo and Scott here on Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. Welcome back, Raider Nation. Welcome back, football fans. You're here on Silver and Black today, where we talk about Raiders football. Yes, we don't talk about anything else. Maybe some food, maybe an occasional movie, definitely fantasy football. That's for another conversation. Uh, But we always talk Raiders football. Make sure you download the show. If you haven't already subscribed, please go do it. You can find Silver and Black today anywhere 
you get Podacy, uh, podcasts, excuse me. You could find it on the Odyssey app, for example, which is a great option. Or if you're on Apple, Stitcher, iTunes stuff, whatever you're doing, you can find Silver and Black today. So do that. Also, do us a favor. Drop a five-star review. We're starting to get some good reviews uh, after we had a bunch of Chiefs fans come in and give us negative reviews. But we're, we're going to come in and say thank you for all that, uh, but doing it. And the Odyssey Football Network uh, for through 2400 Studios growing fast. There's a, there's a podcast for every team and we are one of the fastest growing in the system, and we appreciate that, and that's because of you. Mo Moten, he is the national NFL columnist for Bleacher Report, also a columnist for Sports Not Writing About the Raiders. You can follow him at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at L-V Gully. All right, Mo, let's now get into, if, if you're a Pollyannic kind of person, you might want to just maybe uh, skip ahead in the podcast. We're going to talk about some of the issues the Raiders still need to address after we saw the performance against the Broncos, not being negative, instead focusing on what they should work on, knowing who's coming up next, which is the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's start with Darren Waller. Uh, I talked earlier in the show about him, Mo. I think the injury coupled with the time away from the team, i.e. not practicing on the field with the team, even though he might have been there physically a lot of the time, is still not... um, He's still not over that. I think, yes, we're four weeks in. I still see some flashes, but the focus uh, of Darren Waller and the ability for him to be the difference maker everyone knows he can be just doesn't seem to be aligned yet. Yeah, I believe his best game was in week two against the Cardinals. He maybe had 50 receiving yards. As you pointed out early in the show, had a ball go off his hands. We talked about some of the missed opportunities against the Titans. If he pulls in one of those catches, one of those targets for a touchdown, the Raiders win that game. But we're not going to do the what-if game here today. Let's <laughs> just focus on what is and what needs to happen is Darren Wall has to pick up his game. But this goes along to the point why I wouldn't have paid him a massive multi-year salary before the season, before I see him in the offense. I, I would at least have the season mm-hmm. gone gone through half the season just to see how he fits into the office before I pay him. But hindsight's always 2020, but I just you can rewind the tape and I said that. But mm-hmm. um I did. I and then I I actually think Darren Wall is gonna pick it up. I don't think I think this is as you said maybe a part of being in a new offense and missing a large part of the offseason. It's it's it has inf- impacted him, I believe. But I won't again I won't fault him for going to a WNBA game when he wasn't going to play in the preseason game anyway. That is not why he's struggling. I think it's just the general idea that him not being on a practice field and not being in sync with the offense has adversely impacted his game. But as the season goes on, I think you'll see a lot better from Darren Wall going forward. Right. And 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 some people would argue, well, you can't get the ball to everybody all the time. And, and, and that's correct, because especially you get Renfro back, hopefully for the Chiefs game, Renfro Adams, now Hollins, who's emerged as that 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 third receiver, and then Waller, and then Moreau, if he comes back. You got a lot of guys who can catch the ball, but still, when you're a difference maker making that kind of money, you're the kind of guy who gets open. You're the kind of guy who makes things happen. And so you have no choice but to throw him the ball, i.e., like Devontae Adams. So so I'm not overly worried about Waller yet. You know, a couple more weeks of this, uh, then I might be a little more concerned. Uh, but at the same time, he just uh, he just has had to play himself into. I think 
a lot of times injuries, they, the teams might not let on how serious they are because it is personal information. Uh, and I sometimes think it, take, it takes longer for people to come back from those injuries. And I think he might be in that situation. Seems to run fine. But putting everything together, when you're a fine-tuned athlete like that, I think it's really difficult. So uh, not no panic on Darren Waller yet, but definitely something we got to keep an eye on. Uh, the other guy I want to talk about didn't play poorly. In fact, played really well, and you mentioned it earlier, moving with his legs was Derek Carr. The interesting thing with Derek Carr, and we saw this last game against Tennessee, is Derek Carr, with the exception of those plays that he made with his legs, uh, was, again, sort of that game manager. Yes, he had nice passes, but he distributed the ball. Of course, they ran the ball more, so you're going to have less opportunity to throw. But with Derek Carr, I'm just seeing less of that, um, hey, Derek Carr, you got to go win the game for us. Instead, you just got to make sure you distribute the ball, run the offense. Um, is that by design, and is that something that we're going to have to get used to? And then the question longer term becomes, if that's what it takes in that system, do you want to pay a guy that much next year? That's a lot to unpack there, Scott. Uh, <laughs> but I'll start. Go. We can save yeah. some for later, but certainly, yeah, there's a <laughs> lot to give. I'll start. One thing I will say, one, one thing I will point about Derek Carr is when Derek Carr is at his best, he has a complimentary run game. That's not a shot at Derek Carr. It's just no. the truth. You can go back to 2016 with that team that had Latavius Murray, DeAndre Washington, and uh, Jalen Rashard. That run game was pretty good. And even, even people say, well, last year he didn't have a run game, and you see what he did. Let's be honest about what the Raiders' run was last year. They played some backup or old quarterbacks or quarterbacks weren't playing well, and their defense <laughs> also helped them out. So I'm not saying – I'm not taking credit away from Derek Carr, but what I'm saying is that he's not the type of quarterback that you want throwing 45, 50 times and expect to win a football game. That's not who Derek Carr is. Uh, I think Derek Carr's the type of quarterback you want him to have a complimentary – run game to help the passing attack because he can exploit some matchups in the passing game. Not saying he can't, but I just don't want Derek Carr. And I'm sure you, most quarterbacks, you don't want most quarterbacks, 95% of quarterbacks in the league dropping back 45 times to trust them to lead your team to victory. Now, would you, would you want to pay him more with that role that he has? I don't think he's going to be a game manager for most of the year with that pass catching group. I think you have to give some credit to the Denver Broncos they do have a good defense. I wouldn't say it's yep. elite because you don't know because of who they played before the Raiders, but Patrick Sertain, pretty good football player. Randy Gregory, pretty good football player. Draymond Jones, pretty good football player. They got some guys on that side of the ball. So I didn't expect Derek Carr to throw for 250 yards and have three touchdowns. I know Josh DeBoe of Associated Press predicted that Derek Carr will throw three touchdowns and all of these high stats. But I didn't see it happen at it again, not against Denver's defense. If you look at Derek Carr historically against Denver, I know he's pretty much won a lot of games against the Broncos, but a, a, a good portion of his games, he's thrown for less than 250 yards and had a complimentary ground attack to help him out against what's usually a good Denver Broncos defense. Yeah. So again, Derek Carr, to me, his ideal stat line is he's throwing maybe 25, 30 times in the game. He's got two or three touchdown passes, 250 yards. And the ground and the ground game is involved. I would say if Derek Carr has to throw forty times, that means your run game is is ineffective or non-existent, and that could be a problem because if you're throwing that many times, you're increasing the probability of an interception or a turnover. Yeah. And as we all know, when you're throwing downfield, higher chance or higher probability of, of giving the ball to the other team. So I would say, yeah, Derek Carr's stats weren't impressive, but it was good to see him make some crucial plays with his legs, and I think that helped the Raiders win on Sunday. 
Absolutely. The other two other things with Derek Carr, one, uh, and I'll, I'll stay on the things that need to be improved, still some accuracy issues. We're four weeks in now, and I understand the offense, and I, th- I still believe that it's got to do with the offensive line. I feel like he's, he, he gets a little uncomfortable, although I thought he looked overall more comfortable against the Broncos than he has any other week this season. Uh, but, Mo, you think, you, do you think that my theory there about that offensive line, and he's just – He's just not comfortable because I, I don't care what anybody said. You can say you believe in all your guys and all that. But when you look down and your right guard and your right tackle are switched out all the time, I think it just plants a seed. And I think that's why we might see some of those accuracy issues. I mean, compared to what Derek Carr has had in the past, and now he's looking up and he's seeing Alex Bars as his left guard. <laughs> he's looking at a rookie right tackle. He's looking at a rookie right guard. I know Dylan Parham played well, but he's still a rookie. Yeah. You got you to gotta think that Derek Carr in the back of his mind is thinking, man, this offensive line, I'm going to I'm gonna have to be on point at tip-top level because right. this offensive line is, is shaky. Now, he's not going to say that on the mic or at the podium. He's always going to uplift his guys and, and speak highly of his teammates. But subconsciously, he knows his offensive line wasn't what it what isn't what it was a few years ago. So I think yes, I think you're right about that. I think that's part of what you're seeing with his accuracy issues and sometimes him looking uncomfortable in the pocket. No question. All right. Now the other thing that I want to talk about here too is is and every team has to deal with it in the NFL, and that's injuries. But injuries. the Raiders with injuries. You finally get Denzel Perryman in there, and then late in the game in the third quarter, he goes out with a concussion, and he's in the protocol. With what happened in Miami, I'm feeling like he might not be back for the Kansas City game unless it was such a minor condition and they go through a bunch of tests because I just think the NFL is going to overcompensate now because they they screwed the pooch on the Tua situation, and now they're going to be extra careful because they got caught doing it. So, so I'm worried about that. Rocky Sin is still out. Uh, we haven't gotten the first injury report past the, the initial week uh, report, which doesn't really give you much. It's, it's later. Once you get to practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you get more of a sense. But those growing and nagging injuries there, Moreau's still out. We don't know what his condition is. Um, this could really, you know, the Raiders, if they were at full strength coming off this game, you feel like, okay, maybe they're turning this around. We're going to have to watch it really closely, Mo, if they can uh, if they can get these guys healthy and back on the field. Yeah, the big injury to watch, and you mentioned him a few a couple of times, is Denzel Perryman, only because you got you got to, I know Denzel Perryman is not a coverage linebacker. That's not his strong suit. But you're going to have to do something with the middle of the field because Travis Kelsey, every time he plays the Raiders, oh he's, wide, he's wide open. He's getting 170 yards. He's getting a couple of touchdowns. The Raiders have to do something to stop him. I don't know if it's, it's, if it's a combination of Devon Diablo and Deron Harmon or Devon Diablo and Trayvon Merrick because it can't be John Abram. Please not John Abram. <laughs> but it has to be a combination of two defenders to so either bracket him or double team him because mm. every time he plays the Raiders, for him, it's like a buffet. And with Denzel Perryman out, to me, it's just, it's just another hole in defense. Again, I know he wouldn't be the guy in coverage against Travis Kelsey, but just having a weakness in the middle of that defense just makes me a little bit concerned about that that unit. Yeah, and, and I think that that's the last thing you want is is something to get. I mean, again, Heath brought that defense to life in my book and really rallied them 
Uh, and it goes to show, as you mentioned over the last two shows, Mo, by the way, about the middle linebacker position and what it means when you talk about good defense. On Thursday's show last week, we talked about that. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it makes such a huge difference, and we saw it. And so that Raiders defense making progress and to not be with, not have him against the Chiefs in what is one of their biggest games, because let's face it, I, I still am, am skeptical about the, the Raiders' chances in Kansas City, but I will tell you this. If the Raiders can go into Kansas City with the way that offense there is rolling, and by the way, their defense is playing pretty good too. Um, by the if they can go in and beat the Chiefs, then you start to turn the whole season around because then you're two and three going into the bye, and you're two and zero oh in the division, right? Uh, in the last two weeks, of course, they lost to the Chargers in Week One, so you're two and one in the division. You're right there. And and the way the AFC is now shaping up, and the way the AFC West is kind of disappointed. The AFC West, we thought there might be three playoff teams. And now there still may be, but early on it's not it's not stacking up like we thought it would. So the division winner might be the only team to make the playoffs. And if that's the case because of all the injuries in L.A. as well and Denver not being as good as people thought, then the race in the AFC West takes on increased impor- uh, importance. Uh, just a quick note. What's what's former Raiders linebacker Greg, Greg Beaker doing these days? Because if Denzel Perryman can't play – and get these guys lined up and, and and get the formation and set for Travis Kelsey, then they may need to call Greg Beaker or Kirk Morrison. But on to your point about the Chiefs, it's a I, I don't want to go into into to the preview too much, but right. I seem to remember a Raiders team that was an underdog to the Chiefs two years ago going into Arrowhead in the same week, by the way, week five, 2020, the Raiders were underdogs against the Chiefs. And what happened? They won 40 to 32 with a rookie Henry Ruggs. Yes. Blowing the game up with some big plays. Now, I think the offense this year is better than the, the offense of that two years ago with Devontae Adams. Let's hope that Hunter Renfro is back. Darren Wallace, let's hope he gets back on track. Overall, I think the offense is better now. The weapons are at least. Uh, I, I, it, let's not, I, don't, I don't think the Raiders have to get into a shootout because, again, if they run the ball well, you can keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. But they're built to have a shootout if they need to have one. But it's... It's tough call, but I will say this. The people that, that threw in a towel at 0-3, if the Raiders win this game against the Chiefs on Monday night, those people will be coming back onto the bandwagon and maybe listening to our show saying, you know what, Mo, Scott, maybe your 10-11 win prediction isn't out the window yet. I just want to say that. Wow. There you go. Well, and, and again, I don't give them much of a chance, but there is a chance, and all you yes. need is a chance. That's and it. if you believe in what you're doing – and the I just think the offense is going to have to have a massive day because yeah. – uh, well, we'll talk about it on Thursday. Uh, but <laughs> Mo, the one thing – oh, by the way, there is a veteran linebacker out there that plays the middle. Um, he's very, very obscure, but his name is Taylor Lawrence. He's older, and maybe he's available. I'm just kidding. It's Lawrence Taylor backwards. I'm just saying. Um <laughs> Maybe really quick, way. quick. Yeah. No, I wonder. I wonder if this means now. It, if Denzel Perriman is out, or if they think Denzel Perriman is going to be out, I wonder if they actually bring in Blake Martinez, who came into a visit. I don't think he's signed with the team yet because they he did have a visit, I believe, a week ago. Yeah, last again, week. he's he's not a coverage linebacker, but he's a guy who but, knows how to run Patrick Graham's defense because he did it with the Giants tackle machine, just like Denzel Perriman. I think some help is better than no help. We'll see how the week pans out. But if, if Denzel Perman is not going to be out there, I would bring in Blake Martinez. 
Yeah, I just and and to your point, it's nothing against Divine Diablo. He's a two-year player. He's a young dude. He plays well in spots and has contributed great for the Raider defense. But you need you need that veteran dog in the middle, man. Especially against yeah. this Chiefs team, I think you got to keep the those young players in the game, keep them focused, mm-hmm. and having that guy. So if Perryman is not going to be there, it would make a lot of sense. Uh, so we're going to watch the waiver wire because Blake Martinez makes a lot of sense. Um, and even if he's not a long term, even if it's for a couple weeks, uh, it would be worth it in my view to see it. Goes. But Moe, go ahead. Yeah, go. By the way, not to talk up Andy Reid on a Raiders podcast, but did you see the play design <laughs> from the Chiefs against the Buccaneers? Like there's so many wow. creative things that Andy Reid does. And this is why you need a veteran linebacker to have your defenders ready for all types of things. He, he, yes. He's going to pull the tricks out of the bag. You know he yeah. is. And I know how Raider fans feel about Chiefs fans and Andy Reid, but it just is what it is. You watch that it game, is. man. That was like he was playing chess. The other guy, um, Leftwich, was playing checkers, man. He didn't even know what – even Tom Brady looked rattled and lost. He didn't He didn't know what was going on on that Sunday night game. So uh, it just goes to show you. But, Mo, interesting story here. And, again, like you said, we're going to Thursday. By the way, tomorrow, Wednesday, we have our mailbag show Thursday, we'll have our uh, in-depth preview of the game coming up, and we'll get you up to speed on Raiders roster news, injuries, and the such. But this Chiefs team, we all, I think, at least I did. I'll speak for myself. I can't remember what you thought. I thought they would take a step back. I really did. Um, They have not taken a step back. They are still the AFC West championship runs through Kansas City. There's no question uh, that they have come out and I think proved a lot of people wrong. Has that surprised you? It hasn't surprised me, but I did have the Raiders and the Chiefs fighting for a playoff spot in the last week of the season. I said that last yes, game between did. Raiders and the Chiefs would show. be would be for the playoff spot. It looks like now it could be the Chiefs just chilling out, saying, "Okay, we already won the division, <laughs> and we have to decide whether we want to play our stars or not against the Raiders, who may be fighting for a spot." We'll see. But I, again, and I said this, I have actually, I haven't said this on Twitter yet because Raider fans are going to probably throw things at me. But the separation between Andy Reid and the rest of the head coaches in the division is like the Grand Canyon. The Chiefs can, <laughs> the, the Chiefs can lose a playmaker here or there, but they will have the head coaching advantage when it, when it comes to Andy Reid versus Brendan Staley versus Josh McDaniel versus definitely Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, the, the gap between the coaching is just so wide that you have to give the Chiefs an advantage. Now, we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. But again, it it's a long year, but you wonder. Now, Joshua Dance, as we talked about, seems to be coming around with his game plans. I don't know about Nathaniel Hackett. Brandon Sale was always kind of iffy on, but I thought the talent will overcome his, his aggressiveness on fourth down. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how that pans out. But this 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 matchup between Chiefs Raiders coming up is a big test also for Josh McDaniels. How is he gonna match wits with Dave with uh Steve Spagnolo, who won a Super Bowl with the Giants? His defense coming, as you said, playing well. A lot of people want to talk about the Chiefs offense and Patrick Mahomes, but the Chiefs defense is also playing pretty well. Now it's time for Silver and Black Theater. Josh McDaniels phones Bill Belichick. Hey, coach, uh, you want to give me some tips on the Chiefs? No, not really. Uh, not really. Click. That's it. <laughs> now, maybe if he was the NFC, maybe he would give his former protege some clips, but he's not getting anything from anybody in the AFC, uh, by the way. So we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, the, the Chiefs game is going to be a tough one. I'm looking forward to talk about it. 
Tomorrow, Mo, we do our mailbag show. We will answer some questions and chat a little bit and, and have some fun with that. So please make sure you join us on that show. Again, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We appreciate you guys being with us as always on this Tuesday. And um, make sure you send us mail. You can mail us at mail at silverandblacktoday.com. I say do it after the Sunday game. Oh, this week, it's going to be a Monday night game. So you can send it to us Monday, Monday night, whenever you want. Uh, but that way you get the most fresh perspective on what's going on with the Raiders. But we certainly appreciate you guys do that. So tune in tomorrow for that one. Just go sign up for auto-download wherever you get your podcasts. And that way, every time we push a show, it's there. You don't even have to worry about it. You just open your phone. You click on Silver and Black today on your favorite podcast app, and there it is. There's Mo and I. We're sitting in your phone. We're knocking on the glass saying, let us out. Listen to the show. So make sure you do that. Mo, my friend, I will talk to you tomorrow as we read some mail. Some interesting mailbag questions. And first time after a Raiders win, it feels pretty good. It does feel good. Uh, and we hope we hope that you guys have a better week because of it. And, man, going into big Monday night football, you don't have the Raiders on Sunday, so you got time to rest up and get ready for that big matchup in KC. For Mo Moten, I am Scott Colbrands, and this has been another edition of Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Take care, everyone. <laughs>